Welcome to the Strive for More podcast. My name is Jared Hendry and I'm the founder of Strive. We're a group of young entrepreneurs that you've probably never heard of. In our weekly meetings, we share keystone habits that can change the lives of the other entrepreneurs in the group. And now I want to share those habits with you. Each week, you'll get access to what we call the teachable moment. And that focuses on improving the quality of our health, wealth, and relationships. Today, I'm really fortunate to be joined by Sonny Gackle. Sonny was born and raised in a small town in the Okanagan. He's got a Bachelor of Arts in Criminology from the University of Toronto. And then he went on to complete his law degree at Bond University in Australia, graduating in 2014. Sonny currently lives and works in the Lower Mainland and is now the youngest partner at Demoulin Boscovich LLP, which is a law firm in downtown Vancouver. Sonny has co-founded Myelin Athlete Management, which is a startup sports management company with offices in Vancouver, Toronto, and Los Angeles. He is currently acting as a sports agent with Myelin Athlete Management. Sonny, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. My pleasure, Jared. Thank you. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, You are a lawyer, and I've known you as someone that has really always had this goal of becoming a lawyer. Uh, we were in university and I had no clue what to do, but I do remember you being so focused on this one goal of becoming a lawyer. So I just want to start off with your focus on law. Where did this desire come from? Uh, that That's a good, good question. I actually was thinking about that the other day being like, where did that come from? And it, the answer always goes back to my parents and it's, it's not a focus for law, but just focus in general. My parents immigrated to Canada. They were very young um, and they did the labor route. They worked in the, the mills, you know, looking after me and my siblings and they've done that and continue to do that. My dad just had his birthday in November 62 and he's still working in the labor industry. Um, and so that's where the focus really came for. It was, it's, Focus on anything. I, I always say my parents could do it. Why can't I? Why am I better? Why should I get things given to me? Um, and that just transitioned into the law. I was fortunate enough that um, my upbringing, I, I was surrounded by a lot of people that are involved in the legal community. Uh, my sister's a lawyer. She chose that path before I did. And just talking to her, she's a, she's a big influence in my life. And um just talking to her, you know, that kind of paved the path for me. My neighbor growing up, a great family friend, uh, was a lawyer and I, I leaned heavily on him for advice, for guidance. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to still continue to lean on him when he, uh, as, as a judge now, he's a judge. So I get a lot of guidance from him. And uh, my soccer coach growing up, I played soccer. Anybody knows I played soccer for 10 plus years and my coach was a lawyer and still is a lawyer and I was fortunate enough to have him as a coach and then a colleague at one point when I I worked with him in the Okanagan and so it's the the focus on law has been a large part my upbringing and surrounding myself with those like-minded people or, or just surrounding myself with people that really help me and and uh, help me channel that passion in the right direction. That's really neat. And that's actually not something that I hear very often in the law field. I don't think that it sounds like the really, the question that I should have asked you was not why did you become a lawyer, but why did you ever think of anything else? 
because everybody around you was a lawyer. And I just, I really think that that's so neat that you looked at your parents' lives and their lessons and you applied that to your own life. And I guess I just want to ask, did your parents want you to be a lawyer? Did they push you in that direction? Or was it more just the people that you were surrounded with that kind of led you down that path? My parents definitely didn't push me into any direction. In fact, I always joke about it. I am the youngest of four. Um, and I always say my siblings set the bar so high, I can't, you know, I couldn't do anything else but go into law. Um, no, they were quite flexible. They, they said, really, do what you want and, and just enjoy it, but make sure you go to school. Like, they were strong because they, unfortunately, lost that opportunity. They had to jump into the work field early when they came to Canada. Um, and so they didn't, my, my parents didn't finish high school, but they were there for us and said, look, we don't want you to do what we're doing. Um, and we want you guys to do better. So they didn't really force us into any field. I, it was definitely the, the growing up in that atmosphere, having these people around me that uh, left an impression that I wanted it. I said that at an early age, I want this, I'm going to do this. I think the people that knew you in university, especially, obviously now as well, but um, I think back to that time. And I think that if somebody had to describe you in one word, I think driven probably would have been that word because you were so focused on your goals. And, and that's a really admirable quality. And I just want to say that it's too bad that everybody in your family succeeded so well. I was an only child, so I, I really could have done anything. There was no pressure on me at all. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. So you went on to complete your law degree and you came out and start working for a firm and you ended up becoming the youngest partner in the firm, which is incredible. Although we always kind of knew that that's what you were going to do, but I would imagine that it's just difficult to keep up with the demands of the day job. So turning to Myelin athlete management and that you founded this sports management company in the last 18 months or so, how did you, come up with the idea of founding Mylan Athlete Management in the first place? Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. Uh, the law practice does take a lot of my time and um, I wouldn't trade it in. It, it's helped me get where I am today. But um, I've always, anybody who knows me knows I've been a sports guy and, and the closest <laughs> friends of mine know which one athlete I'm always talking about or ranting about. And that hasn't changed. It's a, uh, Kobe Bryant. I love the intensity inside and out of sports. He's got the intensity. He's got my attention and I follow that. So um, it was it was a shoe fit looking into a sports company. In fact, the way Mylan was started, um, I, I applied to Kobe Bryant's agent. Uh, that was Landmark Agency in Los Angeles. They represent Kobe Bryant, James Harden, all the big name basketball players. And I applied numerous times there. I applied to Rock Nation um, and I was just not getting responses. And so I started calling and I, I used my lawyer card to get through. And uh, I spoke to Rob Palinka. And um, unfortunately, that was the time when he was, uh, unfortunately for me, fortunate for him, he was uh, being, uh, I guess you say, promoted to general manager of the Lakers. So he was not taking anybody on. And this rejection over and over again kept, you know, it just sat with me and I was like, why? I, I know I'm more qualified than most of these people. I look at their, their profiles, their education levels. And, you know, I've done, if not the same, I, I've 
shaped my career in that direction. So why am I not getting a call back? And I was sitting there with one of my good friends, uh, Ian Fisher, and, and we're talking about this and we started joking about, well, we can do it. Why don't we just do it? And that joke spiraled into reality really quick. It went pretty <laughs> fast. And that's how the idea of myelin management stemmed. So you were just sitting around and you were saying, how wouldn't it be so funny if we started a, our own sports management company and then you actually did? That's exactly right. We, we decided to go with it. And it's funny, a lot of my dad's sayings come out and I don't notice them until I think back on them. So one of my dad's sayings always is like, if I point out somebody and I'm like, I want to do this or I want that, he's always like, well, why don't you? He's just a person like you. If he could do it, why can't you? So we were joking about that. And we're like, well, if everybody else is doing it, why don't we just do it? And that joke turned into reality. And we said, yeah, let's, well, what does it take? Let's think about what it takes. We need some athletes. We need some connections. And so we just dotted some things down and, and, and it took off fast. So what was that first step for you guys after the joking stopped and you realized that, well, maybe we've actually got some in on our hands here? Well, we... I guess we were, we we're fortunate enough that we knew some, we knew a fighter. We knew Paul Blaze. He's a, he's a good young up and coming star. And we knew him and we talked to him and he didn't have representation. And so we said, why not? Let's try this out. And, and we got, as soon as we got him to sign the dotted line, um, everything fell into place. We showed up to um, a gym, a six MMA, that's a MMA gym in Toronto. And there was other fighters like him who have been fighting or training to fight who don't have representation. And, and it's surprising. That's one thing I've learned in this uh, industry is a lot of athletes don't have representation and agents, managers don't take that chance to go talk to them. Um, mm. And I might have got ahead of myself here. Myelin management, we, we, we started with MMA because that was what we saw right away. We saw, you know, we have a connection. Let's talk to Paul Blaze. Let's see if he's interested. And that's where it became a shoe fit to start with MMA. Um, and it just took on a snowball effect. And, and from that one signing, um, I think pretty soon thereafter, we got another signing, uh, Mike McLoon, who is ranked number two in Ontario now. Um, we signed him pretty quick. and, and the rest is history. I think it is so neat when people take a failure and I don't want to classify your, the rejections that you got from those sports agencies as a failure because it took a ton of courage for you to even go out and put your name out there to try and get in with those organizations. But I think it's really mm -hmm. neat when people take a setback like that, they learn something from it and they grow and get better because of that setback. And it's an admirable quality to have that determination, which we've already spoken about with you, that that's like your, one of your many great qualities, but that's kind of, I see as a primary driver of your own success. So um, just getting back to the, some of the details in the business, you've been working yeah. on it for what, a year and a half or so? Yeah, roughly, yeah, about a year, year and a few months, yes. So how many fighters do you have now? Are you just fighters? Right now, we're just fighters. I've actually had interest from basketball players, from uh, baseball players, um, but I, I, I'm devoted to giving my time and energy to the fighters at this moment. I'd love to grow myelin management, but at this time, we have nine signed fighters. Wow. Um, and 
I've always been of the belief that I don't want to be one of those agencies that has a stable full of athletes and these athletes don't get the right care and need. I want to have Mylan give one-on-one -on -one care and need to these people because they, they become like family. You, you talk to them every day, you talk to their coaches um, and I'm in constant communication with them. They're, they're family and friends now. So I don't want to not give enough attention to one or the other. And that would be a, a disappointing to me. And that would be something against my mandate, the mandate we've created for Myland. So I'm not looking to fill the stable with a bunch of athletes, but um, if that time comes, I'm happy to do it. That would just tell me I need to grow Myland to have more hands so we can take care of these athletes. Can you walk us through what does a sports agent actually do? I've got to plead some ignorance here that we see what they're, how they're represented on television, but I'd like to know what does that actually look like in a day to day? Right. I, I honestly think every sports agent would give you a different answer to this question. <laughs> um, from my experience, what a lot of times what I'm doing is I've got my athlete. Now what do I do with my athlete? I want my athlete to, uh, be in the best condition, make sure they're going to the proper gyms, going to getting the best coaching, um, making sure we have something lined up for them. So for the MMA industry, I'm, I'm looking at fights in advance. I'm looking, booking fights right now in March, April, making sure my athletes have something to look towards and train towards, um, making sure they have their medicals done. That's probably one of the biggest stressors prior to a fight. The commission, so you got the British Columbia commissioners, the Alberta commissioners, any state you go to, there's a commissioner, and they want certain tests done by certain deadlines. You got your uh, EKGs, your MRIs, your blood tests, um, and if you don't get these tests done, you're not fighting. And so the athletes are so focused on training um, and making sure they make weight that you have to be that person um, setting up their appointments for them, making sure they're attending these appointments because then there's no point in actually going to a fight if you don't get approved. So it's um, looking for sponsorships, making sure that they're getting the most um, notice possible. We're making sure their social media is up to date and, and um, the most exposure they can get because at the end of the day, our athletes are, are all trying to do one thing, get to the big stage, be that UFC, Bellator, uh, whatever the big stages are. So for us as agents um, at Mylan, we, we take on all that. We make sure their social media platforms well. We make sure they're professional inside and out. Um, so if the right people are looking and hearing about our athletes, there's nothing but good things about them. So it, it turns out to be a full-time job on its own, and, and but I enjoy it. I love it. That's very cool. Um, I actually didn't know that it was so extensive. And so it's interesting to learn that. I kind of just want to get a sense of the other people, the other companies that are out there that are representing fighters. Do you know what, like, how are you different than those other companies? Because I'm sure there's people representing UFC fighters already and Bellator fighters. How are you different? Than yes. Them? I think the one thing that myself and our team at Mylan we bring is, is and I touched upon it briefly is the one-on-one, -on -one, the, the care for each athlete, um, constant communication with them, their coaches, their everybody. We're there. We're ready to make sure that they are succeeding. If, if one person has a fight coming up, we drop everything and make sure that one person gets all our attention, um, whatever they need. And, uh, you know, if you have a big roster, I've seen some agencies that have old, massive rosters, and once they've lined up the fight, essentially their job is done. 
every, everything else is now on the coaches and the athlete and they just sit back. Um, I don't believe in that. Uh, our thing is, look, we're a family. We win together, we lose together, and, and we all go through the struggles together. And that's one thing that everybody at Myland Sports and our athletes, that's one of the things that before anybody signs a contract, I make sure they understand that that it's not an I, it's, it's, this is a team. I know it's an individual sport, but this is a team. Um, and I want everybody working together. I don't care if you're in Alberta and you're in British Columbia and you're in um, um, Ontario. There's fights. We're setting up fights all over the province. We're setting up fights in the States. And I want my fighters, if they're at the same uh, fight promotion, to get along, to to work together, to point out things. So it's it's I'm making it a team sport. That's what I'm trying to make. That is so cool. Like a very collaborative approach. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned that um, you've got a, a team. How many people do you have on that team right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, in all honesty, we have, I, I, it's hard to give a number. I can tell you who's on Mylan, but the reason I struggle to give a number is I myself believe every time somebody's liking a picture, following, posting our videos, any one of those people on Instagram that are doing that, I think they're part of the team. You know, they're bringing awareness to Milan and I consider them all part of the team. But uh, we do have a, a group of full-timers with Milan. We have uh, Mac Green, our go-getter. He's the one who runs around, does his homework on um, the fight circuit and the names, and he brings the names to the table for Milan. Uh, we have Kendra. Kendra's our uh, athletic development and outreach uh, individual. She does our organizing of the health, the medicals, um, the, she's the one who does the guiding for any individual athlete who needs help or, or with yoga, meditation, putting the mind at ease. Kendra's got experience in that and she, she goes and helps each of our fighters. Um, we have Donnie Blaze, the co-founder and he's, Donnie Blaze is the mastermind. That's what I call him. He's uh, an experience in management in the music industry. He landed his clients, you know, platinum and gold records. He's a philanthropist and he, he, people bought into it. He believed in myself and Ian and the idea we had. And he was, he's not only the mastermind, he's the number one fan. So, you know, a lot of respect to Donnie Blaze. Uh, we have Ian, Ian's another co-founder and, and that's where the idea first bloomed. I, I mentioned that earlier, we were sitting around and he made it happen. That's, that's how Mylan came to. Um, and then we have AJ, AJ is our creative director. Uh, production of all promo material, branding, you see videos, you see fight promotion videos, you see uh, posters, that's AJ's doing it and very, very necessary because at the end of the day, we, we need this to get to the next level, to get to the right attention. So uh, his work is definitely appreciated. And I've taken a look through your website, obviously, and your Instagram and everything, and it really is beautiful, the stuff that you've designed and people are going to have to listen to the end of the podcast if they want to get your, your website information and your Instagram handle. So please make sure you stay tuned and we'll get you all that information because we do want you to be number one fans of Myelin. Just like you said, Sonny, there'll be employees too, but they're going to expect yeah. paychecks. <laughs> so definitely. I have no problems. The more likes we get, the more followers we get, I will, you send me a message and, and I'm happy to uh, have that chat with you guys. <laughs> uh oh, having a chat with a lawyer about him paying. <laughs> I don't know how well that goes. Um, it's, 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 interesting. Right. it's interesting. You also mentioned Ian Fisher and, and he's somebody that um, is a mutual friend of ours and he's been really successful in the, 
um, acting and comedy and uh, producing and directing of movies and short sketches and um, and television shows. And we're actually going to have him on in February on the, the podcast. So that should be a lot of fun too. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, so I want to turn to the vision here. Um, yes. Yeah. What's, what do you see? What's the long-term vision for Myelin here? The long-term vision is just continued growth. Um, when I say growth, I mean growth of our individual athletes, growth of Myelin in general. I Like I said, I want to give and make sure Mylan gives the right appropriate attention to each of our athletes. But that doesn't stop us from growing. I would love to go um, and represent basketball players, baseball players, hockey players. Um, and I'm always looking for like-minded people who have that passion and desire because again, I want enough Mylan individual representation to help these athletes that no one feels, you know, that they're, they're not getting enough tension, enough, uh, enough uh push to advance their their careers that's not what we're we're here for we want everyone to make it to the next level so um 2020 is going to be big uh we have a lot of things planned for the mma world but i'm hopeful that we're going to tap into another sport industry very soon here and I'll, I'll leave it at that for everyone to stay tuned i love it we're leaving some uh some interest on the table here do you think most importantly, my most important question of the day is, can you get Kobe Bryant out of retirement? <laughs> well, I don't know if I can get Kobe out of retirement, but I will definitely have my Jersey signed. I've, uh, this has been a struggle since I've been young. I have two jerseys. If anybody knows, I have two jerseys <laughs> framed in my uh, law office right now. Um, I don't even have my law degrees framed and everyone's always questioning that why Kobe's jerseys are framed. But um, I've always wanted the jersey signed, and I went to the All-Star Weekend in Toronto to get it signed, and I met with the superfan who, who said he would get my uh, Lakers jersey signed, but he ended up getting his jersey signed, and he said, next time. Uh, so I do have superfan now, Badia. I'm still holding you to it. You're going to help <laughs> me get me to sign my jersey. I can't believe you met the superfan. For yeah, those of you that... For those of you that don't know, he's, uh, I think he's attended every Toronto Raptors basketball game for the last 25 years. Yeah, I think you're right. He spent, uh, I think there was a write up on him. He spent over 300,000 on fans. He buys tickets for the youth in the community. He's a great philanthropist as well. And, you know, he, he does the right things. That's, that's mm -hmm. him. And on the basketball front, just out of interest for those that may be tuning into a future episode, uh, currently working on getting somebody on the podcast that's uh, uh, executive vice president of basketball operations for an NBA team. So we'll cross our fingers that that works out and uh, keep everybody posted on that as we move forward. So I just want to see, is there any failures that you've had with the business so far? Maybe not even failures, but stumbling blocks, setbacks? Yeah, I think initially it was there was a big we're the new kids on the block giving us a chance. Like who is Myland management? Why would we want? And this was, these were things that we were hearing from fight promotions. Getting over that hurdle was definitely, um, it felt like a failure at one point. I got athletes that rely on me. Why are they training? They're training for fights. It's what am I doing wrong? These are all the types of questions, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm uh, up at night trying to make connections across in different states. Um, so I'm working on different time zones. 
And, and that was definitely one of those things that it, it took time to adjust to and, and, and uh, feel comfortable with uh, those rejections. Yeah, it's hard to put yourself out there, isn't it? And then to to face failure because it feels like you're putting your whole soul out there for the universe to see and then someone says, nah, it's not good enough or they just don't even respond to your email at all. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely, that, that's my main thing, especially because it, the failure on its own, yeah, but me letting somebody down, that's probably the biggest thing that gets to me. So if I'm letting an athlete down, um, that's going to stick with me for a while. Have you changed anything in your operations because of some of the failures you've had, setbacks you've had? I don't know if I've changed. I, what I've done is um, I've just pushed harder. I, I've honestly pushed harder. I've given them reasons not to reject us. Uh, I got one promotion, one of the early promotions to give us a chance. And I sent two fighters there and they both came out with victories and they put on big shows. And that, that really helped, you know, put Mylan on the page and, and we started getting calls from other fight promotions. And, um, but I, I think it was just keep going. Don't, don't, you know, let those stop you or put you down. And there was times where I actually was like, I can't do this anymore. I, you know, law is too busy. I'm not getting anywhere with Mylan, you know, the promotions aren't working. And, but then, you know, you just got to snap out of it and be positive. Think, you know what, a rejection is, I, I started with a rejection, right? Landmark rejected me. I get yes. that. And I moved forward. So that's what I got to get myself always thinking about um, is rejections aren't bad. Rejections, rejection leads to fear. That's my understanding. And, and it's okay to be afraid, but you have to push through that. Yes. I think fear is one of the hardest things to overcome. I noticed this in my own life where I wanted to start things and I haven't been able to do it because fear gets in the way and fear isn't rational. It's something that just sits in the back of your mind and it's really difficult to get over. Often we don't even know our fears. Uh, it's not like education where it's not like a skills gap where I know that I don't know how to start a business. I can go and learn how to start a business. There's courses all over the place on how to start a business. But I think that fear is what holds people back. No, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And just got to look into that and say, well, why am I scared? What am I scared of? Is it letting people down? Is it not meeting my potential? And you really have to get into why is it, you know, why is this fear stopping me from doing what I want to do or, or why is it making me change my thought process? And I think once you get past that, you know, there's a weight off your shoulders and everything lightens up. How do you push past that fear? I just go back to my dad. You know what? I go back to my dad and I, I sometimes I get the blunt, you know, the blunt response or blunt answer from him, but it puts things in, in perspective. And you know what? A lot of times it's not even what he says, but it's, you know, like I'll give you an example. One of the things he'll say is, why are you afraid? That's silly. Don't be afraid of that. And you listen to it. And then it's not really what he's saying that lightens it up for me. It's I start thinking about his story again. And I'm like, well, if anything, he's got it worse. He had it harder. And look at him now. He's, he's successful. And he had he had the right to be afraid back then coming to a different country, 
not finishing high school, uh, English second language, and he's got my mom there too. They just got married, so it's all new to them. He had the right to be afraid. Me, I, I shouldn't be afraid. This is, you know, I, I'm I'm lucky. I'm I grew up. I went to school. I'm educated. I was lucky. So that's really what hits me when I start thinking about this fear and I talk to my dad and it's almost like a reality check. Wow. That is so neat. And what a great perspective on the sacrifices that your parents gave up for you to really understand how your dad had to give up everything in order to give you a life of purpose and meaning and to give you these opportunities. And then for you to go and to say, yeah, I'm going to take those opportunities and I'm going to push through all of this other stuff to get to the end results is really admirable, Sonny. I really, really admire that. Thank you. Thank you. That's, I, I got to give that to my parents. That's it. That's them. Damn. So you're saying I've got no excuse now. You've got none. <laughs> I, I will be talking to your parents after this. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh turning to you as a person um, like within the business itself I'm just wondering if there's anything that you can share with our audience that if you had known it when you started out like was there something looking back that would have saved you months and months of time or maybe thousands of dollars what was some kind of hack that if you could go back and apply that to your business that you would have been way further along in the process I would have said, I would have told myself early on just to keep going. Don't be afraid to ask for help. That was probably one of my biggest, biggest um, obstacles is trying to do it myself. And, and yes, I had the team with me. And at the early stages, the team was quite small. It was Ian and myself um, and, and Kendra. And, and it was quite small. And I would take on way too much. And, and what I would tell anybody who's starting off is don't be afraid to ask for help. The more minds, the more people, that will equal less stress. And it'll let you think clearer. Um, and ask for help in any opportunity, any chance. If you want to know, if you, if you have a desire for sports, go talk to people. And, and don't worry about the rejection. You're going to hear a theme here is the rejection. That's because I've had a lot of it. So uh, don't worry about it. Go on to the next person and go on to the next person because as it stands, you right now just starting a business, you're already starting at square one. And, and if you don't ask somebody, you're not going to know what they're going to say. You're going to get 100 no's and you may get that one yes that opens up everything for you. So... I would just say, you know what, don't be afraid to ask people for help. We, we as individuals, my belief is we ask, we learn. And then those people that have this knowledge, they want to teach it. They want to tell people their story and, and how they got there and, and educate those that want to get there too. Um, and, and so there's tons of knowledge out there. Just seek it and get it. I think we always think of successful entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg, and we see them as these solitary people that did everything in isolation. But I think what I've really learned in the last couple of months is that in order to business is just relationships, like you're saying. And I read this really powerful book. It's called Never Eat Alone. Um, mm -hmm. 
I'm just pulling up the author here. The author is Keith Ferrazzi. I can put this in the show notes as well. And it's just so neat to see that this guy built his whole business on relationships. He's known as this great networker. And he teaches you through this book, how to network, how to do it from like a, an authentic place to connect with people and to try and offer value to other people. And for me, this has really changed kind of how I conduct my own business. Instead of going into a meeting with somebody new, I don't go in and say, this is what I need from you. Do this for me. I go in with the perspective that this is a relationship that I want to cultivate over the long term. And so if that's my base assumption, how would I act in that situation? Well, if that's the case, then what I would do is I would say, how can I help you? Like, what can I do to make your life better? And a quote that really resonated from it was something along the lines of, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. And I think that kind of goes to the point that you're making of relationships matter, asking for help matters. I totally agree with that quote. That That's spot on. It's, um, and connections and all that, what you just said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I've bought into that. You should be asking for help. You should, you know, do things together because it, it lessens the pressure and, and helping others and, and getting that knowledge is going to help you in the long run. And it allows for you to enjoy what you're doing too. So no, I totally, I totally support that, that quote you just read there. Well, great. You'll have to read the book now. Actually, you don't need to. I shared all the information so you can just skip over. <laughs> um, so to you as the person now, we all, I think, can agree that you're a really high performer. You're somebody that has always had this goal and drive and you've achieved that. And now everything else that happens in the future is, um, is just a product of all of that hard work that you've put in. So I just want to get a sense of what do you do differently than everybody else that allows you to achieve so much? You know what? That's, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if I do anything differently. I just, I, I hold myself and I've always done this and I, I'm a strong believer in this is, you know, you should have goals. Everyone should have goals. But I'm, I make sure if it, my goal is a realistic goal or, or one that I really want to strive towards, um, because we all have those fun goals that, you know, it, if I don't hit it, I don't hit it. But for example, one of my real goals was law school. It was always law school, lawyer. And uh, I won't say the third L, but anybody who knows me knows what the third L is as well. <laughs> uh, but those are the real goals. And so I always make sure those goals were said to people not just one person, not just my family, I vocalize my goals because that makes me hold myself accountable. I want people to come to me in five years and say, did you do this? Because if I didn't, that really leaves, you know, it, it bites at me, it eats at me. And, and that's what keeps me going. That's what's always kept me going is I got to hold myself accountable and I'm not going to have a goal that nobody knows about because it's almost like, know cheat days you know if no one knows you're you have a cheat day um if you're if you haven't told people that it's your cheat day you can go home and eat you know all the cookies you want but if you tell people and they they know they're aware it, it brings more vision to it so uh accountability is basically what's been running my life i, I make sure i tell people what i want to do what my goals are and then 
uh, I hold myself to it. If I don't, that's a failure for me. And, and you know what? That's that's out of the question. I'm I'm not going to fail at those things. So I did not know that that was going to be your answer. And that's so interesting, given the context of Strive in general, because as you know, it's obviously an accountability group that we're all about how do we accelerate our results in our business and our lives. And I did not know that you, that that was one of the secrets to your success. And it's something that I have only learned in literally the last six months. I was somebody that I tried to be a goal setter. I would set goals. I, you know, I'd write them down and maybe I'd look at them every now and then. And I didn't know the power of it until I actually, like you said, had a group of people to hold me accountable. And I don't think you, I don't think you need a really a formal accountability group to do this. I think it takes a really special person to do what you've done. So I don't think everybody can do what you've done. So I think there is a role for an accountability group or like an accelerator for people if they're trying to improve the result. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think that it really matters about the community. And I know that having that for myself, having other people hold me accountable has really been the keystone habit that has changed my life this last year. So I'm, it's really interesting to hear that you share that as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely been uh, my driving force is, is, having people hold me accountable for, for the goals. And I know everyone's different. Every individual is different, but that's what's kept me going and what continues to keep me going. Any specific routines that give you the opportunity to get more done? Um, early mornings. Uh, I'm strong believer that you're more productive in the morning than you are at night. So I try to be up pretty early to get most of my work done um, before noon. So I, I try to get up around 536 every day. Um, and, and I'm a strong believer in good night's sleep and be that my four hours or my six hours of sleep, whatever it may be, have those being, be good sleep where you're not thinking you're, you just turn your brain off. Um, and that may require meditation and, and, and whatnot, but those are the two things early mornings and good sleep is, is what's really and I've started doing that probably in the last three years, but anybody knows me knows I went to bed pretty early because I believed in, in the sleep process. So. Do you have any specific tactics that you use to get a good night's sleep? You mentioned meditation, anything else in that same vein? I, I don't have a, a regular routine, but meditation or, or you know, uh, I always used to, my brain is always moving and that used to cause problems for me. And that's why I say the meditation or at least, you know, some form of meditation, but you don't have to just do the, you know, when I, when we say meditation, um, you know, there, there's different types of it. I'm saying just clear your mind, take yourself to somewhere else. Um, and if, if for me, it was just take myself away from work, let my brain go somewhere else from the law, from my case, from me going to court tomorrow, from Mylan, all, and that is what, you know, once I was able to do that and achieve that, uh, the sleep came second nature. It would just, it would, you know, I roll around twice and I'm out and then my alarm goes off and I'm usually up before the alarm and ready to go. And that's, that's the routine. So uh, for everyone else, I think it's going to be different how you, what keeps you up. Like I said, for me, it was work, um, the stresses of work, the stresses of 
both jobs. And so I had to figure out a way to clear that out of my mind. Very cool. Do you have any advice for young entrepreneurs out there? So I'm thinking about people that may have their small business already, or maybe they're what we call a solopreneur. Maybe they're just somebody that has a day job that wants to eventually leave that. Firstly, I would say if you have a hobby, if you have a secondary hobby, don't close that door. Don't think it's silly. Take that chance. Um, chances are scary. And we talked about this. It's that fear aspect of it. But you, if it's in your mind and if it's there um, and you're, you keep thinking about it, there's a reason you're thinking about it. It might be your passion, might be your interest. There's a reason why you're, you're considering leaving your job or changing positions. But don't close that door. Consider it. Think about it. Um, and I know everyone's going to say, well, it's risky. It's a risk. Risks pay off. There's that saying for a reason. But to help alleviate the, the fear um, and this risk element, do your homework. That's what I would suggest is, is, you know, make sure you talk to the people, talk to people in that industry, talk to people where you, you know, you, you see yourself or where you want to go. Um, read up on it, do the, do your homework because you never know that could be a perfect fit for you. And then you could find yourself saying, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I do this sooner? That's not a bad thing. That saying is not a bad thing. It opens it up for a lot of people, but um, talk and do your homework. That's what I would suggest. What do you mean by why didn't I do this sooner isn't a bad thing? I think it's almost a form of enlightenment. I, I've heard it a lot where people, you know, they'll say it in a, in a negative tone because they've changed, they've done something different and they say, oh, I wish I did this earlier. I wish I had known this three years ago to do. That's all about learning. That's that's how we grow. You know, I could say I wish I had done this early in Milan. Um, yeah, it would have been beneficial to me, but I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have those hurdles and those fears to get across. Um, it's all part of life. It's it's something you're going to have to overcome. If it's not this, there's going to be something tomorrow. There's going to be something in six months where th that's life. We're going to have fears. We're going to have obstacles. We're going to have that fork in the road where we decide, do we want to go left or right? Do we want to take this chance or not? Is it too risky? Uh, but that's the joys of life. That's what we, you know, we signed up for it. We're going to do it. And, and uh, those who, who are looking to start their own business um, or, or change careers, that's, that's the start of it. That's your starting line right there. And, you know, your path is just endless. So just do your homework, talk to people and, and run. That is so interesting. And what that makes me think of is a friend of mine was having some struggles with his business and he kept running into these stumbling blocks and he was feeling like he wasn't getting ahead. And, and we've all felt like that. Right. Um, and I was having the conversation with him, and as he was expressing this hurt and the, the pain and, and not achieving the goals. And I told him that kind of like what you've said here is that this just makes for your story in the sense that in marketing, they always tell you if you're starting a business, you need a coherent story for how that business started. People are always going to ask you, Oh, why'd you start it? And you've got to have something that makes sense to tell people. And what often makes sense is it started out of pain. It started because I was in such a bad place. 
I tried this and it started working. And because of that, my life turned around. I achieved all these great things. I've got a nice house and a car and a beautiful wife, et cetera. And so just like what you're saying, I think that sometimes, not all the time, obviously, but sometimes those low points in our lives can actually turn around and lead to the most positive parts of our lives. Sunny, so I want to get a sense of the best book that you've read recently on entrepreneurship and leadership. And uh, why was that so powerful for you? <laughs> uh, you've got me. This is the, the question that stumps me. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of people ask me, what's, the, what's, a, what's a book that you've read, Sunny, recently? Um, unfortunately, this is going to be a disappointing answer for you guys all. Uh, I haven't read a book recently. I read every day in law. Um, and unfortunately, I'd love to do some leisure reading, but I just haven't had the chance of reading cases and, and, and briefs and factums. But um, from my experience for the company, entrepreneurship, uh, the best book, I, I call it Wisdom of Dad. That's not actually the title of the book. That's, you know, literally talking to my dad and getting everything I can from him. Uh, with respect to his business and how he's done it and how he's, you know, the leadership role. So uh, it might be a disappointing answer, but I, I honestly haven't read a book recently just because uh, my day job is uh, a lot and, and, and my island management kicks in right there. So um, I'm willing to take, take on uh, any advice for books though, because I, I believe in the wisdom and knowledge and, and that only advances you. So uh, if you got recommendation for books, I will take it. Well, I think you're going to have to listen to the podcast in the future so that you can get book rec recommendations from other successful entrepreneurs. But I, I, I am, I will be listening every every step of the way. <laughs> what I would love is I would love your dad to write that Wisdom of Dad book. I think that that's already a great title. <laughs> you're going to have to get him uh, to stop working for about five minutes to get uh, started on that book. And, and good luck because uh, me and my siblings have been trying to do that for the last five years. So <laughs> if you know the secret to get him to stop working, you let me know. Shoot. You got to get him a million dollar contract for the book then. There you go. That, that will get him going. Well, if you, if you don't have a, a book recommendation, I guess a kind of a follow-up question to that is around something that's really impactful that you've learned. So what's the most important thing that you've learned in the last year that can maybe massively impact our listeners? The most important thing I would have to say is uh, the power of connection and outreach. I know we've talked uh, a fair bit about this um, in this podcast today, but I think it's invaluable. Um, when we, we hear the saying, you know, it's not, it, it's who you know. That is so true. And I've learned that both in my legal career as well as uh, the Mylan um, management. And it's it's very accurate. It's who you know in the world. And, and that comes through connections. You you have to put yourself out there. If you're, if you're trying to, you know, start a business, go talk to people. It's the same theme I've been talking about. It's, it's you know, you need to be putting yourself out there, learn about what you want to do and, and, talk to the right people and those people are going to be open to talking to you that that's just my experience it's human nature there's there's going to be those people that want to spew their wisdom or their knowledge on you and that's something that you should take advantage of so um i think that's probably the most important thing i've learned this last year is 
connection and outreach. It's especially in this day and age with the internet, um, the accessibility, you can contact people anywhere and pick their brain. And more often than not, people are happy to do that. Can you give us one example of how that has positively impacted myelin management? That's been, with myelin management, we've been fortunate enough to, you know, contact people in the States. I've been taking, I've been talking to fight promotions in uh, the United States, in the Caribbean. I've been talking to, I've, I've got, fighters contacting me after I've spoken to their gyms from Brazil, from Romania, Argentina. Um, yeah, my phone bill is going through the roof, but that's all right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worth it. Um, but that's just the outreach, just calling that gym randomly out of the spur. We had, you know, Mac, Mac Green, our go-getter, found this gym in Brazil that's producing good fighters, contacted them, and we had a couple of fighters from Brazil call. Um, that's what I mean. Don't be afraid to call worst case scenario, we get rejected and we move on to the next one and the next one. Um, so that's probably been the biggest positive this last year. That's very cool. Um, I want to just briefly highlight somebody that, um, that I first think about whenever I think about sports management, I think about Ari Gold. And he was the, I think he was a sports manager from Entourage or not sports, but he did sports and actors and TV and et cetera. So I just yes. wanted to get a sense. Do you think that you are going to be the Ari Gold of Canada, but in real life? Ha, those are big shoes to fill. I would love to. Um, this is not one of those moments where I'm going to say my goal out loud and hold myself accountable because I'm going to be, the next Sonny Gackle, Ari Gold, the next Sonny Gackle. And um, it's going to be fun. That's what, that's what I'll say. It's going to be a fun ride. There's a lot more to come still. And uh, yeah, no, it's going to be awesome. The next Sonny G, I love it. Uh, I want to finish off with one last question and then we'll get you on your way. So um, one of the things that the guys in Strive do is we end every meeting by reflecting on what's holding us back from achieving even higher levels of success. And that's a bit of a hard process because you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be, you've got to trust the people that you're speaking with and you've got to do some reflection on your strengths and your weaknesses. So I want to turn this to you and I want to ask you, what do you think is holding you back from even higher levels of success right now? What's holding me back I'll answer that in two folds. I think there's two things that come to mind right off the bat. One is time. I, I always say if, you know, if I could clone myself, I'd get way more done. You know, have one sunny at the office for law, the other one <laughs> doing the myelin uh, because I'm not ready to, and this might be a fear and I'm open to that too. I'm not ready to call one, call quits on one. I'm, I'm the type of guy that is not, I don't want to disappoint anybody. So I'm not going to call quits on law and focus on myelin. I'm not going to call quits on myelin and focus on law. Um, we have 24 hours in a day and I'm a strong believer in that, that I, I, if I maximize my time, I can do best for both. So time is definitely one though, that I felt, I feel, you know, if I had a bit more, I could, I could go to that next level. But another one that goes hand in hand, I think is, um, having having more leaving more responsibility to others 
allowing others to take more off my plate and, and being okay with that. Um, and that, that is probably something that, and I've, I've noticed myself getting better at it. So I am, I'm happy about that, but allowing others to just take more and being okay with it saying, yes, I, I trust what you're going to do is going to be for the best of everybody. And, um, that's it. That's, that's probably the one, the two things that come to mind. Sonny, on that note, I want to thank you so much, my friend, for taking the time to chat with us here. You are somebody that's achieving really significant things in this world. And so I'm just honestly grateful that you are interested in sitting down. If you want to learn more about Sonny, you can find him personally on LinkedIn at Sonny Gackle, G-A-K-H-A-L. You can also find Myelin Athlete Management on Instagram at Myelin Management. That's M-Y-E-L-I-N. You can also find Myelin Athlete Management at MyelinManagement.com. Sonny, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Jared. My pleasure. This was, uh, this was definitely a great, great um, experience for me too. And, and, you know, I'm happy to share back. So I appreciate you, you having me on today. Thank you. If you know someone that started a business and you think is someone that is a really high performer, then I would love to have the chance to sit down and interview them as well. If you know someone like that, reach out to us on Instagram at Strive Accelerator or email us at striveyyc at gmail.com. And if you like the content from the podcast, then please subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at Strive Accelerator. I hope you enjoyed this episode and hopefully you got some lessons from this that you can apply to your own health, wealth, or relationships. I created this podcast to help myself learn from those that came before me. And now I want to pass these lessons on to you to hopefully help you on your journey. Please know that I've got your back and the world needs you to go out there and create, innovate, and iterate. If you like this content, then please subscribe and continue listening for our weekly episodes.